You are listening to the Heavenly Chi podcast, episode number five. Today I'm turning the tables on Claire Pyers and interviewing her to garner her methods of introducing new patients to a treatment plan and discussing expectations of results. Hey everybody, I'm Fee Gitchum and today our guest is Claire Pyers, who is usually a host. Hi Claire. Hi Fee. Welcome to the Heavenly Chi Podcast. We're so happy to have you with us. The Heavenly Chi Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and professional development. Show notes and continuing professional development resources are found at www.heavenlychipodcast.com. You can add Heavenly Chi Podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook. All links are in the show notes. We hope you enjoy today's show. Well, hello, and it's great to have you joining us. Today, I wanted to interview Claire rather than have her as a co-host on the topic of introducing new patients to treatment plans and how we discuss with them the expectation of results. And um, the reason why I wanted to interview Claire Pyers on this topic is because she is a very busy practitioner often with a waiting list for patients trying to get in and uh, a lot of her patients have really good consistent returning and staying for the long-term treatment to really get to the core of what's going on. As you may know, as a Chinese medicine practitioner, sometimes our patients may be used to expecting a quick fix or a pill and to see you later, whereas Chinese medicine and acupuncture is more of a process and as we go on, the treatment plans may change or uh, might just be one long treatment plan. Um, so welcome, Claire. Thanks, Finn. Thanks for coming on and letting me interview you this time. My pleasure. Um, and I'd love for anyone that's listening who has any interesting comments or questions on this topic or techniques that you'd like to share with us as well or your own observations in clinic in this area to share with us on our Facebook page, the Heavenly Chi Podcast Facebook page, um, your insights. Okay, so in the beginning, when you have a new patient, I find that there's a lot that's really important in the exchange in the first session that may lead to whether or not that patient is going to return and start to choose Chinese medicine as a healthcare option for them. And that may also reflect whether or not they've had Chinese medicine before, but usually it's got to do with the practitioner that they're seeing and that actual relationship and the way that they're introduced to expectations of the treatment and understandings of the possibilities of the treatment and the opportunities that the treatment can provide. So what I'm interested in the beginning is do you start using your treatment plan or do you do you bring that up in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I, um, I'm quite mindful of right from the get-go. Um, I think even before the consultation has started when a person is filling out their initial intake form, um, you know, we're asking them what brings them here for treatment today. Sometimes people just wanting to come for general health and well-being, or sometimes people don't even disclose on the form what they want. And that's, you know, sometimes there's a range of reasons why patients wouldn't do that. Um, but we also ask on there if they've had acupuncture before and if they're feeling nervous about having acupuncture, because primarily 
Um, that's that's the the main tool that I use in clinic is acupuncture. You know, I use herbal medicines and um, nutritional advice and lifestyle advice as well, and um, various exercises and so forth. But almost everyone has acupuncture. And one of the things that I have learned um, as I've gone along is that, um, you know, asking that question, have you had acupuncture before, is a really useful one because a lot of people have had acupuncture before and I'll often ask them about what their experience was with that and sometimes, you know, they're coming because they're unsatisfied with what um, with what's happened with another practitioner or, you know, sometimes they've seen someone else and then that sort of sets up their expectation of what's going to be coming from from a consultation with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, a number of patients where, well, not, not a number, but probably a handful where they've seen, you know, a famous practitioner or someone who's well-known or well-regarded or... Um, They've had really great results with it, and that the the patient will will um, declare, "Oh well, this you know, such and such practitioner didn't do it this way, or this is the way that my other practitioner used to do it." And sometimes I think that kind of expectation is very difficult to reset. And so um, I think having an understanding of where where the cards are right from the start is important. Mm-hmm. So at what point in the initial consult do you start discussing treatment plans? So if I was to break a consult up into hello and why are you here, what can we do for you, and then you've got the 10,000 questions. <laughs> no, it's not that many, but sometimes <laughs> it is. Um, and then you've got um, treatment plan ideas, expectations of results, length of time frame of treatment, uh, looking at the tongue, looking at the pulse and getting on the table. So what, where in that sequence does your treatment plan discussion go? I think um, once, once we've got established what the person is coming for and once I've gone through the basic questions that enable me to get a sense of what their major like where their major disharmonies lie I have a fairly good sense of what needs to happen Um, and during that time I also get a try and gauge um, try and gauge the patient's capacity to take on change within their life so obviously the more nutritional and lifestyle changes that the patient can make then the less input they need from me Um, also budgetary Matters can be important as well. It sometimes, um, although sometimes there's a bit of a mismatch between the patient's budget and also the changes that they're willing to make in their life, and so that has them more reliant on seeing me for acupuncture or maybe taking herbal medicine, um, and so that can, you know, that can cause a bit of conflict. And I try and address that as soon as I might be aware of it. So do you initiate a query upon their budget for this treatment? Yeah, look, I'll often put it more in um, just more in general inspiring terms, I guess, in terms of um, I, I often use the phrase there's the cheap way and the easy way. The easy way is not cheap. The cheap way is not easy. Both are going to get outcomes and um, I mean, ultimately, and I do share this with a lot of my patients, ultimately my goal is to have them out of my clinic. Mm-hmm. And I will say to someone, I don't want you in my clinic. 
I want you out living your life. I want you to be well. And my aim is to get you as well as possible, as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And often I will do a lot right from the start um, because I am much more of a pragmatic practitioner. I'm interested in getting really quick results for my patients. You know, they're not coming to me for acupuncture. They're coming for me to solve or to help them solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if they can get... Um, I think that part of that rapport building process is having them leaving their first appointment feeling like something has shifted. Mm. And within, you know, within that first appointment, I, you know, a general rule of thumb, unless someone's got something quite significant or severe, a general rule of thumb is that I like to see people at least weekly for the first three sessions. And then after that, I review um, with the, with the intention of, reducing the frequency of their treatment and within that first three sessions I want some really significant change for the person so that then it is appropriate to to drop back the frequency of acupuncture or to, you know to drop the dosage of their herbal medicines or whatever they're mm. they're doing and to bring more focus onto their nutrition to um, to keep the treatment effects going. It's an interesting um, concept to observe. I think a lot of people have often come from other types of modalities as well, and there are some modalities where from the get-go they sign you up for your 10 or your 15 treatments and you get a discount for booking that many ahead. But then uh, I feel that usually if they express that, they're kind of wary of it in a way. It's not like they're saying, great, so can I book in for the 15 now? They're usually saying, you know, I had this experience where it was going, you know, they wanted me to shell out this many thousands for this many treatments all up front and I'm sort of wondering about that. Um, so what I hear you saying is that you're kind of saying, look, uh, I don't want you in my clinic. <laughs> I, want you to, um, I want you to invest in all of these solutions straight up and sometimes that I've seen, you know, that can be herbs and um, supplements and a whole bunch of stuff that they get in first treatment. Uh, yet at the same time, I'm also interviewing you because the result is that you do have a lot of loyal patients and a lot of patients who return. And I'm not saying every week, but um, they shift from that stage of acute treatment into you know more long-term health nourishment and keeping themselves in the straight and narrow. <laughs> yeah, and look, I think a lot of it comes down to the patient believing that there is a better way of being. A lot of people get stuck in their rut of, you know, this is as good as it gets and they might be coming for, you know, a stiff neck. But if they've got IBS or, you know, some kind of underlying problem that's going to keep feeding into in, into their, you know, their seemingly one-off problem that they're coming in for, then I'm going to say, hey, you know what, I think that this is, you know, if you want to get rid of this, then if you spend a little bit of time addressing this, then um, you won't need to keep fighting fires. And I, and I often use that analogy of, you know, are we wanting to disconnect the smoke alarm or do we want to put out the actual fire? <laughs> and often it doesn't require all that much more effort to address the underlying condition. And, you know, I guess it took me a long, I think it took me a number of years to get the confidence to be able to have those kind of discussions with with my patients. And I think, um, you know, working out 
exactly what it is that I can offer to my patients and knowing that of all of the practitioners in Melbourne that they chose to come and see me, I'm like, okay, well, this is what you get. You come to see you come to see me, then this is the type of consultation you get. And I have a very, in, you know, in some ways I think I have a very matter-of-fact way of communicating with people and I think that, um, you know, the limited BS factor is, um, is something that a lot of my patients tell me that they value. Mm-hmm. And when they're referring... <coughs> When they're referring friends and family, they'll often say, you know, go see Claire, she's really great, she'll tell you exactly where she stands. Um, and so I'm not, I'm not afraid to give opinions or to, um, you know, to say, look, this is what I think that you should do. If, if I were you, this is what you should do. Or, um, and I think also as well, like helping patients to navigate a lot of the terminology and a lot of the experiences that they're having in, in the Western medicine system. Um, you know, giving them some uh, a bit of a sounding board and maybe some tips and advice on how to navigate their consultations with the doctors, you know, what they can expect when they're going to have tests done, mm-hmm. how they can best recover from, you know, surgery and procedures that they might be um, going for or even looking at alternatives. And, you know, so the scope is more than just this is what I can offer you in terms of acupuncture and herbal medicine. It's more about how, you know, what does this health problem, what is this health problem doing to you in your whole life? Right. And what are some other ways that don't involve me that can help you to get past it? Yeah, well, a lot of people that we're seeing these days will be also uh, doing all kinds of pathology tests, some of which we may refer for and some of which may be run by other specialists. And so a lot of that would be a written, a verbal kind of, exchange but when it comes to the initial sort of treatment plan of a new patient and saying okay so I anticipate to to help your disharmony here that it's going to take three sessions weekly and then you'll go to fortnightly for up to 10 sessions and then you'll be in herbs for two months and something like that. Do you provide that more written or verbal or a bit of both or what kind of um, things do you provide in the early stages? So we used to, um, at, at one point in time, I did provide that information in writing, um, but it, it purely just comes down to time and efficiency for me that um, I don't have the time to spend um, to write those formal plans up and I think a lot of the time the patients weren't really reading them. You know, often I'd get questions that were specifically answered in the information I'm giving them. Um, but what I, what I do is I give them a rough guide of what I've seen with other patients and really, I mean, I have no way of predicting how a person's going to respond and I say that to them, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know how this is going to go. It could be a one-treatment miracle cure. It could, you know, it could be something really straightforward like headaches that, you Mm -hmm. know, you're the one person with headaches that I can't help. Um, And so as as much as I can give an outline of what I think, I, I go with the three, the three, initial sessions and that and I do say to people you know once we see how you respond to the first treatment then that will give us an idea 
that that will give me more of an idea of, you know, where to go from that because sometimes people respond really, really well and other times they don't. Um, and I also say to patients, look, you know, I've got aces up my sleeve. If this doesn't work, I've got three or four other approaches to be able to nut it out. But I'm also very quick to change to change my treatment approach. And I do let patients know that, that, you know, I want to see improvement. You know, I, I expect if someone comes in in pain, I expect them to leave either pain-free or with significantly reduced amount of pain. Um, and, you know, that's a really important way of building rapport and building trust. Um, you know, the more, the probably the most difficult one is with, uh, if a woman's coming with menstrual issues, that often you need to wait, you know, if they're coming in a week before their first period is due, then having that week is not always enough time to be able to have an effect on what their issue is. And so then you're kind of wanting to see them fairly regularly until that you know, until next, they get that first full cycle period. of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably the most delayed, um, one of one of the more delayed timeframes yeah. that, that I would have. But um, I, think, I think that patients feel comfortable knowing that I'm not going to continue to see them ad infinitum unless I'm happy and they're happy that there's significant improvement. And, you know, I tell people, that they can expect to see changes in their sleep or their energy or whatever it is that has come up as showing disharmony. Mm. Um, and I and I tell them I expect to see changes in this as a sign that we're on the right track. Mm. So I think patients feel feel comfort with that. Yeah. Um, so I've been practicing for ten years, and so has Claire, which um, in some ways gives us experience, and in another ways we're only just starting (laughs) Um, and it keeps going like that back and forth and uh, I've observed that during the times when I've sent out the really formally written sort of treatment plan like welcome pack um, then in some ways there's actually uh, less less connection for the patient there than when I don't Um, and it sounds like you kind of reflected on that a little yourself but I'm also wondering how that might tie in with your observations in terms of um, patient adherence and compliance to the medicines and the the when we say I need to see you you know before you next ovulation or and that would be in a week or that would be in less than 10 days or to those kinds of things in the early stage where um, timing is a little more important with acupuncture in the beginning. To be able to get that momentum. Yeah, look, I think, and that was something that took me a while to get the hang of was the type of language to use when rebooking. And I think it, um, you know, a lot of patients look for direction and guidance from the practitioner in when to come back. And um, definitely very early on I made the mistake of leaving leaving their return visit a little bit more open-ended than what I should have. Um any time that a patient leaves the clinic from a consultation with me, they always have a really clear idea in their mind of how, of either when they're coming back, they've either booked in or they've, you know, I need to see you in a week, I need to see you on this day, um, or, you know, that they're looking out for, uh, you know, some, some other trigger that they know when mm. they need to come back. 
Uh, and that's something that I think was a real, a real turning point. I think it, you know, it involved a lot more confidence from me and feeling confident that knowing that, you know, patients were relying on those cues from me and that guidance from me. Um, and also, you know, getting over the dialogue in my head and, you know, coming back to the clean agenda that we talked about, you know, I had to get out of my own way and stop making assumptions on behalf of my patients as to, you know, but what if they don't want to come back or what if they can't afford to come back or what if, you know, what if, what if, what if. And so I just stopped that whole runaround conversation that would go on in my mind and would say, well, no, this is, you know, if I had it all my way, if I was the practitioner and, you know, and in charge of everything that this patient is going to do for the next month, how would that look? And so, you know, I give them specific information about this is what you're going to be eating. This is when you're going to be going to bed. I'm going to be seeing you on Wednesday. You're going to send me an email or a text on Monday to let me know how you felt after your treatment and if we need to change anything. And so I'm, I'm giving multiple pieces of information to the patient about what I want them to do and to kind of keep them engaged mm. in the process. And I think that that, that made a big, that made a big change, you know, not under treating my patients and not, not saying, Oh, I don't know if they're going to take the herbs. I'm not going to give them herbs. I'll say, you know, will you take the herbs? Mm. You know, and I think in the way that I established the rapport in that initial session, you know, a patient will usually say fairly frankly, <laughs> no, I don't think I'm going to take them. Have you got a tablet or a capsule? You know, can I do it in a tablet or a capsule? And sometimes I'll kind of coax them into it and I'll say, look, this is the best way to do it. You're going to do it for a week. Pinch your nose, drink it down. Worst case scenario, like just send me hate mail for the week. Every day you could send me an email and say, oh, my God, this is so disgusting, I hate you. It's fine by me, just take the herbs and then we can change to a capsule or something, you know, a bit easier afterwards. And, you know, people kind of, if, if there's a start and a finish, I think that's a bit easier for people to manage. Okay. And do you find that making uh, clear connections for them in terms of expectation of outcomes, positive outcomes, uh, that that has their relationship with their compliance to do and to not just compliances intake this twice a day but to go to bed on time and to be honest about what they're eating and what they're doing and to send the text on Monday or whatever? Yeah, look, sometimes um, I think I go for the, you know, I go for the, I, I run the percentages. You know, if I tell someone to do 10 things, I'll be happy if they do seven. I'll be ecstatic if they do eight or nine. And if they do all ten, well, then that tells me more about their constitution mm. and their, you know, their underlying um, patterns and their, you know, their five element type than anything else. You know, if you've got super compliant patients who do everything exactly to the letter of what you say, I mean, we, we all know who those patients who those patients are. Like they're already orchestrating and leading the whole thing even before they've made their first appointment, you know, they ring up and they say, I'm coming on this day at this time. Here's, you know, they're the ones initiating saying, here's my test results, here's this, here's that. And, you know, and that's a different thing again. Mm. And that brings up an interesting observation as well that we probably all do without whether we think about it too much or not. And that is that 
as you get to know your patient and you observe their responses to um, things like compliance and keeping appointments, it will also inform your perception of their diagnosis and the way that she moves and their constitutional uh, weight <laughs> in terms of what elements they're weighing more heavily in. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's uh, it's definitely very telling those first couple of weeks into treatment. You know, if you're trying to establish someone onto a really great new way of being and way of thinking and if they struggle... Um, you know, I do, I do spend a lot of time investigating how I can help the patient and maybe where I went wrong in either my assessment of what they would be able to do or maybe I need to change my treatment. Um, and I assess that based on, you know, changes in their mindset as much as, you know, changes in their symptoms and their tongue mm. and pulse. And there's one thing that some patients do, um, which is that you explain to them, I need to see you before this time so we can treat this next stage of your chi before it actually becomes what it shouldn't. Uh, so especially in the menstrual cycle, you know, I need to see you before your next period or before your ovulation. And they understand that and they make the booking at reception for the follow-up and then they leave and then they ring up the next week and say, oh, can I change my appointment to next week? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it... I guess it, it's not, you know, every now and then that's going to happen, but if you have patients who regularly don't um, maintain that sense of compliance or connection or understanding to the treatment plan, um, is there a ways in which you uh, try to really connect them to that or inspire their adherence to really understanding that? I think with some patients you can. And with a lot of them, you can't. Like, I think there's a lot that shifts for people um, when they come and have acupuncture and they have, you know, a more in-depth consultation. I'm talking to people about their emotions and, you know, the root causes of their disease, you know, which most of us do. Um, And some people can become quite agitated by that change process and I think that, um, you know, if something is sort of shifting for them that they can't come back, then sometimes that just needs to run its course and it's not it's not up to me to kind of have a, hey, I'm calling you on your crap conversation. Um, sometimes it's just a gentle acknowledgement of, oh, it, just, it feels like a little while since I saw you. Um, and I might reiterate, hey, you know, we're going to get good results if we can do this, but if you can't make it in or, or you can't make it back to see me, then, you know, ring and get some herbs or, um, you know, here's some massage you can do at home or here's some meditation or a breathing technique. Mm. Um, just giving them different ways of accessing the same results. They don't necessarily need my input. They just need to change what they're doing mm. to account for the cyclical things that, I'm trying to achieve. That's nice. So it still gives them a, a treatment to self-manage even if they, they postpone their treatment. Yeah, particularly if they feel like, you know, some people leave feeling really good and they're like, oh, wow, I'm cured and it had nothing to do with acupuncture. I just got better anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I'm just, yeah, I have patients like that, you know, they might be coming in for something really quite, you know, really quite significant. Um, it, it could be an autoimmune condition. You know, they might have this ongoing 
musculoskeletal aches and pains that they've had in place for years and they feel really good after the acupuncture and I say to them hey come you know come a few times in the first couple of weeks and we can really get get some you know lay the foundations and you know they don't come back after the second or they delay the third appointment thinking oh, I feel really great and it's you know then they might Come, a lot of them come back once the effects start to wear off and they'll mm. be like, oh, and then, you know, we can talk about that process then of, mm. hey, you were feeling really great last time you were here and, and I didn't see you for a little while and, you know, how are you feeling now because that was a big break with the acupuncture and, you know, just try to work through it with them on um, what are the factors that they think as well, you know, because I can offer my opinion and say, well, okay, you're in pain for 20 years, we did acupuncture, you felt great. And then we did acupuncture again, you know, a week later and you felt even better. And then we didn't do acupuncture for four weeks and after two weeks it started to deteriorate again. I think it was the acupuncture that made you feel good. And then, you know, just kind of talk it through with them. Because sometimes people talk themselves into this idea that they come to see us for treatment but that it doesn't do anything or it's just this, you know, if, if they don't understand how it works then they just dismiss it. Um, and there are so many things in life we're all dealing with that coincide as well. So oh yeah, I mean life yeah. happens. You know, yeah. people have to sometimes, move house and change jobs and yeah, yeah. And sometimes there's so many factors; it is hard to tell what happened. And sometimes you need a lot of factors to create change. Yeah, absolutely. This all makes me think of also the the scenario of patients who haven't even come in for their initial consult yet, but they're really trying to book it or they book it and delay it three or four times and you so then they're already showing you something. Oh before before they've even walked in the door, um, to do with how difficult or challenging it is for them to be ready to start to approach all of this. Yeah, and look I mean sometimes you know, sometimes I get it wrong and people get rubbed up the wrong way by me or, um, you know, I just don't make that connection with them in that first session and, um, you know, I still I still will offer myself and my services as I offer to everyone um, but, you know, I can often pick it if, there's, if someone's not going to come back mm. um, and, you know, if they need to come back. Mm. Um, you know, and that's okay. That's that's really you know. There's so many things that go on for a person, as you say. Like there's lots of other factors, um, and you know, it might not be their time. They might not be ready to to move on from their condition, and or have someone poke and prod around into the wires of their. Well, it appears that we are running out of time. I just wanted to ask you if there was um, anything more you wanted to add and also for um, me as a final kind of tip is, um, you know, do you think it's more important to make that connection with people and, and the adhering to the plan for the outcomes um, no matter how it is or is there a benefit to having things written or not? Or is it just that however you feel the connection with that person? Look, I think it, it, I think it depends on the person. Um, and definitely, you know, I do send things through in writing, particularly nutritional stuff. I've got, you know, a whole um, 
a whole series of documents on, you know, different nutritional therapy approaches and, I, you know, we'll usually find one that suits that particular patient. I'll email it through maybe with a little one or two liner just to reiterate, you know, what the, what the key points of their treatment plan are. Um, but, yeah, I think ultimately um, if people can, you know, remember things, they might jot down notes for themselves during the treatment, I offer pen and paper if they want it. But I think that, um, you know, the patient remembers how they feel when they're in the treatment and they remember how they feel afterwards. And if they're following, you know, how they're going along, you've got a quick review point to for them to monitor how they've changed during, you know, during between the first and the second session. I think that that's, that's a very powerful Mm. You know, it's a very powerful tool and I think, you know, having acupuncture in particular makes a big difference because you've got the opportunity for someone to leave the clinic feeling totally different yeah. on all layers, not just receiving information. Yeah. Yeah, I like the two- to three-day window after acupuncture, you know. Yeah. See where you are then. Yeah. Remember that. Yes. Let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember how your bowel movement was and let me know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, like, you know, particularly with musculoskeletal, I, I do like to have a follow-up because I don't know if, a, you know, if a pa- patient's pain relief is going to be long-lasting or not. Um, but I always give, you know, a four-day window of, you know, hey, don't do anything crazy. Don't do anything that you wouldn't have done before you came in today. Mm-hmm. You know, allow the effects of the acupuncture to... Um, you know, to, to take hold and for your structure to kind of catch up to where your pain levels are. You know, and I do say, you know, your risk of re-injury in that time is really high. And, you know, it's great great for business. If you're back in here in two days' time, we should put you back out again. But really. Just because you're feeling great, don't get back on those backflip trampolines. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, and I think, again, you know, me trying to give information to people on how to stay out of my clinic, I think. Mm helps them to understand when they need to be in. Great. Well, thank you for sharing all that with me and us and our listeners. I'm sure that's quite interesting for uh, some new graduates and also for people who've been through big periods or big learnings with how to get their clinic busy and how to keep it busy. Um, I think for some of us that's a matter of location and timing and personality, but there's all these skills as well with patient rapport so thank you if you have anything you'd like to share with us about that topic please share with us on our facebook page for the heavenly tea podcast have a great week and we'll see you next time bye